Andalusia. Yeah, welcome along to episode 44 of From the Valley podcast. It's the 14th of May 2019. I'm here in the right in the heart of the city of Brisbane, so that we are here. It is election week. It's everyone. You've got to vote this week if you haven't voted already. There's pre-polls available, two in the city, one up at Chermside uh, on the corner of uh, Rody and, and Gympie. So make sure you get there to avoid disappointment lining up in the queues on, uh, on, fr- on Saturday. So, yeah, big Saturday, the 18th of May. It's going to be a big day for Australia. Uh, welcome along, Bruce Bassetti and James Flaherty from Insolve. Okay, thanks, mate. Thanks for having us along for episode 44, Tim. No worries. Great to uh, see you both. And I've known James for, for quite uh, a while. Uh, obviously, he used to work at MYOB as well. Yeah, and uh, uh, But tell us a bit about uh, Insolve. How did it all sort of start? We'll start with Insolve. Uh, how did it all get set up? What's the sort of idea behind it? And... Uh, Tell us some of the early traction. Yeah, that's thanks for having me along. And as today, I think Insolve really came from, in fact, conversations I even had with Bruce quite early on about when businesses are in trouble. Uh, you know, a business person has a you know, say there's a partnership breakup or there's a divorce or something like that. something goes wrong. Mm. Um, accountants are often the, you know you guys are usually the first people that people speak to, but. What do you do if you need deeper advice? What if you need more advice than what you're getting, or like specialist advice, uh, specialist insolvency advice? And what we found was that there's a whole bunch of people going to websites with pictures of happy families with perfect teeth sitting in the fields with all their problems being solved. And people weren't necessarily getting access to the right advice. There's a whole world of these kind of unregulated advisors and people going to Dr. Google online. So I thought, yeah. well, hang on, let's get a bunch of qualified insolvency practitioners who could provide advice kind of when people need it. And then obviously it was quite smart, we thought, to also engage with um, professionals such as Bruce, who's a, who's a lawyer, to also have as part of our kind of group of people who, our go-to specialists, as we call them, or solvers is what we've called them. So, yeah. So... The idea of Insolve is to try and get people to get access to the right advice, and there's a few kind of there's a bit of secret sauce about making sure that uh, that people are um, if you get advice from a practitioner up front, um, there's somebody else who's equally qualified who's separate from them mm. if you actually need to wind the business up or things yeah. actually need to be shut down. And, uh, and Bruce, I kind of talked to you a little bit about that quite early about how to kind of structure up. Insolve, so it, would, it was legally compliant, but also um, able to provide really kind of deep advice to people. I suppose it'd be worthwhile kind of checking in with you. Like, what was the reason that you kind of thought that uh, the model worked for you? Well, James, um, I thought the first thing I liked is that there's faces on the website. The number one warning sign that you're dealing with somebody who has no qualifications or is unregulated. It's a faceless website. Yeah. Yeah. Um, As soon as you go to a website that doesn't have uh, um, identities, people on it, you're probably dealing with somebody who is shonky. I mean, Mm. uh, as a as a um, uh, a takeaway, the the other thing, yeah, I I like James. What you set up is that you've got um, a group of independent insolvency industry experts um, 
most of whom have known each other for a number of years. And so you've got people who share uh, a fairly common set of values in terms of the way they go about dealing with their, their, their clients and it really becomes um, an easy thing for them to join together as a collective to, to get things um, happening. And it provides an alternative for those people who are looking for advice who really just don't know where to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's a great referral source for accountants and so forth as well, Tim. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, pre-insolvency is one of those things we, as accountants and tax agents, certainly need to... Um, be able to access uh, people that are experts in that market. We certainly, when you've got as many clients as we have, there's going to be a uh, 5 to 10% range that at least that sort of fall into financial trouble. Um, so it's quite common, you know, bankruptcy, um, you know, more recently clients that, uh, you know, go into a corporate structure, um, they, they have big ideas of, of wanting to do something, they, they basically invest $80,000 of borrowed money um, to be able to get some, you know, some machinery that's going to help them with their business, but they just, for whatever reason, you know, it doesn't work out. Then you obviously need to have advice on how you sort of get get out of that situation in the best way possible without, you know, necessarily. In some cases, you can potentially avoid bankruptcy if if it's done correctly. Um, so having that, you know, professional advice is something we accountants always look to, and with my contact list, there's obviously quite a few people that I know as well. So, um, yeah, it's quite interesting. We'll sort of go delve into a bit sort of some backgrounds. Uh, we might revisit that. So, James, whereabouts were you born? Where, where did you come from? So I'm a, I'm a New Zealander by birth. So like lots of people in Queensland, I come from somewhere else. And like lots of New Zealanders I live with, there's a better climate. So, um, but I, um, I've lived here most of my life, school here. So young, pretty uni, young move over. Uni here, um, in fact, so... Some Always people, Brisbane or...? Yeah, but I lived in Sydney for a long, long time. So Sydney was um, Sydney was a lot about sort of... I went... I actually finished in at QIT or QUT, it became, um, yep. during that, with the recession that we had to have. So in the early it meant 90s, that, yeah. um, that the, with a GPA such as mine, it was going to be hard to get a really flash job. So I set up a business with my with a friend of mine in online. I've been in the online accounting services space for years. So really? That's interesting. So ended up there for a long time and um, most recently at a, at a big firm in a sort of operations sort of role and then um, came back up to Brisbane and um, found a, a gig where I got to basically fly around Queensland and talk to people about uh, accounting and the internet. So all that subjects are reasonably interesting, and yep. I uh, find that and flying around talking to people and being paid to speak to nice people around Queensland was a great job. So that's and that's how you and I met. And then, um, but uh, coming into this world. Uh, it was a uni buddy. Uh, she said to me, "Look, um, I'm, I'm setting up something on my own." And she and I. So what's her name? Her name's Jeanette Muller. So Jeanette she's, Muller. Uh, yep. She's uh, she's on the panel. Yep. And knows Bruce quite well. Um, so we kind of shot some ideas around how do you, how do you get this how do you try to turn this insolvency gig around a bit so that they can provide advice. Those people are kind of the the best view of. They've seen everything. Yep. Those guys. I mean. Yep. So surely, so that that's where that came from, and that's why. Hang on. How, how can a guy who's done internet and accounting now be running a, a platform for insolvency? It's actually 
it's trying to solve a problem and that's mm. kind of where I came to to this mm. kind of world so mm. uh, it's an interesting journey that's taken me to here yeah and Bruce your sort of background where were you born uh, I'm from Far North Queensland, Tim. So okay. I am a Queenslander, so that a proper Cairns, Queenslander. Uh, yeah, Cairns is what I would call home. I did all my schooling there. I've only lived in Brisbane for about six years now. Okay, came down for family reasons, and I was a partner in a much larger law firm. And up now there in, uh, yeah, we spread across Queensland. So I was okay. in Cairns, Townsville, and and Brisbane each month. Okay. So, Moving to Brisbane to live was an easy transition. I knew a lot of people. So here do you enjoy already. it here? I, I do. Um, you know, I've got a, a family here now, so um, and they're all at school and all the rest of it. So I'm here whether I like it or not. So they're all there. So the family like likes this place, and obviously you are sort of you know customized. I mean, climatized to this this uh, I guess environment of of the River City. Yes, yeah. Look, I, I enjoy it. Um, I went to Bribie Island for the very first time last weekend. Oh, really? I've yeah. never been to Bribie Island. That's overseas, isn't it? You need to go through a security yeah, um, <laughs> security to get across to, to <laughs> Bribie Island. It was a nice trip back to 1987, and um, yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and, and look, these days we've got our law firm Stratos Legal where we... All we do is insolvency restructuring and yeah, financial okay. services. Yep. So we act for some financiers, and we predominantly act for liquidators and financiers, but we do directors as well. But it's really those couple of things and, and commercial debt recovery, and that's it for us. So we don't try and do family law. We don't do your mm. will. We don't do conveyancing. Yeah, obviously, it's, it's, being a lawyer, it's... it's it's certainly better to be specialised in in something. I think these days to, to have your um, not so much your point of difference, but your you know your fort leadership area if that's where you want to go, or and you know you become an expert. And people say, okay, well I know that guy because he's really good with dealing with uh, you know restructuring, liquidate you know liquidations, yeah. uh, or no, they're very good. This, these these guys have got a really good way of doing wills, or these guys have got. A really good, you know, way of dealing with a family law matter. So um, it's certainly important, I think, uh, from what I've seen to. Have so some... sorry to jump in there. You saying that you sort of you like the idea of like you've got a lawyer you go to for estates. You've got another guy who exactly. I, I think I yeah. I wouldn't sort of recommend. You'd never recommend. Um, we haven't had much of this sort of conversation on the podcast, but uh, as a professional accountant, who I guess is has you know many different clients from so many different industries and yeah. different walks of life and individuals and in, you know wealthy individuals etc um, having a you know you, you wanted to go to an expert in that particular type of service um, you know if you've got a good experience with something you've done with conveyancing it's affordable or something you know they get it's it's quality then mm. why would you not you know refer that and then um, but so yeah, so obviously, you know, you need to have that sort of network as to to who those you know those lawyers are that you know can do the job. Trademarking is another one. I mean, that's a specialist yeah. area in its own right. Um, tax is obviously a specialist area in law as well. So you get tax lawyers um, that are you know experts in that area. So, but um, yeah, so I guess part of uh, I guess what we talk about here on the podcast is I guess what other sort of Things um, that interest you, James. I mean, uh, and Bruce. So, what what sort of hobbies do you have? What do you, do, is there any sport that you follow? Anything like that? Um, 
people who know me know that I can usually introduce kind of even if it's not actually related to the conversation at all something about sailing so you know it could be talking about you know I could be talking about anything and somehow or other sailing will get into it about and it usually involves me I have a sort of a motto that if you haven't hurt yourself or broken something you probably haven't had a good time I break my boat quite a bit um, so um, I've got an old old boat that drifts around at uh, Lake Samsonvale and uh, we uh, we sail up and up in there and in, in the bay occasionally when um, I really feel like I want to save up and then I can break lots of stuff <laughs> and we um, so sailing's my thing um, and I'm um, you know they say accountants should never kind of end up being ended up being the treasurer of the club and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, usually, yeah. Yeah, you're trying to. You know, it's kind of that story where you know you um, um, there's a there's those people with the little blow darts in the in the African <laughs> wilderness. You know, in the in the wilderness, and the animals walking through, and they they and they fire a dart, and the thing slows down a bit more, and they slow down. So eventually, they said. They got me to be the treasurer, which I suspect I will be for life. But, uh, <laughs> um, and um, and so that's that's my thing. I sort of um, sailing this kind of that and uh, um, uh, finishing a renovation. I think would be the. You actually two. finished a renovation, have you? No, you can sort of see where our money <laughs> ran out. You can sort of you go the, okay. yeah, so the front looks good, the middle looks okay, and the backyard's sort of a bit of a moonscape. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's sort of it. Uh, it's a grand design in progress, our place. Do you get your so, hands dirty yourself or you're putting... Uh, yeah, uh, under close supervision, yes, I do. Um, so <laughs> I usually get a number of general tasks which are allocated to me and I, um, I execute them um, as I'm um, directed. But, um, yeah, as you can see, it's, uh, so poverty in the backyard has certainly meant that I've learnt to do lots more things with uh, bits of wood than I ever thought I was going <laughs> to. So, anyway, so that's... Uh, and you your Renault, where'd that end up? Did you actually... No, I didn't start it. Yeah, I just okay. too, I think I just got the quotes um, really good. Had had um, Peter Lattimore was on the podcast. He did a really yeah. good really good design. Um, but And then we got it sort of priced up and quoted and to say, well... It's not the you know it's probably spend too much to to get the desired result when you're looking at what what the real estate's doing yeah. currently in the street. And you're saying, well, if we can you know Kevin Gammy's old house or whatever two doors down, uh, if we spend you know two hundred thousand dollars, is it going to be better than that house and what they got? So it's 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 one of those things that you say, well, okay, we'll just leave it how it is, and if we decide to to rent it out, you know whatever, sell it yeah, as right. is. So. Yeah, but no, I didn't do the, didn't end up in on that occasion doing the renovation. No, he lives on the south side. Ask him what makes him. So south, what part of the south side yeah. did they did they pull you to? I'm in Camp Hill, Tim. Oh, so that's not too bad. I was just going to say, I hope it wasn't too far near Logan, but <laughs> not <laughs> but, that uh, far. Camp down. Hill, no, it's, it's a not. Uh, it's pretty close proximity to everything, isn't it? You got the close to the Gateway Bridge going north and. The city's not too far away. That's right. We're at that time of the year where um, Brisbane's at its sporting zenith right now. With we've got AFL happening. We've got a State of Origin game just around Jeez, the corner. I, even, I haven't even thought about the State of Origin this year. I really haven't. There's been just too many other things going on. But it's it's right there. I'm sure it's within a month, isn't it? Fifth of June is the fifth of June. Uh, That's it's the, game one. I. Someone said we don't care because we're going to get thrashed. But um, I don't. Well, I don't know. Three weeks time. We just. Queensland always seem to show up a lot of the time. Yeah, so we ended up going to uh, something that Ian, uh, Ian Healy runs a charity for kids. Oh, yes. And, I've been to one of those. Yeah, and so he uh, had uh, the coach of the Broncos the other day, and he was a little coy about how things 
would go. Was that uh, recently? Was yeah, it? Was it the other day, so that's something that. Uh, hmm. like, um, so where was where was that? Uh, that was at uh, Story Bridge, sold out. So the hotel. It's a thing called Aspirations for Kids. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, they. Um, they and I really like the idea of it because you can. Um, I do like the idea of it as well. Yeah, well, because uh, like it's kids from like it's kids from FNQ. One of the guys was uh, a bunch of kids, uh, nine children, a Torres Strait Islander, I'd say. Yeah. Um, they've funded for the family to come down here. He goes to one of the schools that are good at rugby league, and yeah, okay. away they go. So that's a really interesting sort of um, a really interesting journey. I was I was in my case, saw uh, my nephew's quite a good swimmer. Some of his friends when he was living in CQ in, in Gladstone, um, around that area, kind of, um, they, um, they, uh, yeah, yeah, other kids had missed out because they didn't have the parents who could, had the money to kind of spend, you know, mm. to, to, to send them to all the camps and all that sort of stuff. So that's why it's a great charity. Kids with a bit of a, a bit of a, mm. you know, t- tough circumstances or you know that yep. sort of stuff, but a bit of talent and the right attitude. It's really cool. Anyway, so um, mm. we haven't actually asked we haven't asked you what's your kind of thing. Well, yeah. as I said, at this time of year, at this time of year, it's all about uh, horse racing. And it's carnivals at the moment, aren't they? Do you go to, to watch the horse racing there? I am a, a member of the Brisbane Racing Club, yep. and we're finally back racing at Eagle Farm after several years, and hopefully they'll get it right this time round. But, uh, yeah, we've had the Doombin 10,000 on Saturday, and we're working up to the Stradbroke Handicap. Yeah, uh, mate, uh, Kevin Gammy, he always goes to the races. Do you, do you know him? Yep, I do know Kevin. <laughs> yep. It's a small world, isn't it? Yeah. So he's a he's a punter. So like there you go. You went down to the Adelaide Cup, didn't you? So you're um, you're a professional punter. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Um, the bookies would probably like me to think that I was. Um, yes, we did go down to uh, Adelaide this year and um, tick that off the uh, list. And it'll be um, Darwin is the uh, next one. I've been to the Darwin Cup, but um, I'll go again because some other people haven't been. Mm. If, you've ne- if you've not been to Darwin, that's the time of the year to go. When's that? Uh, it's sort of August. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. And, uh, yeah, so the weather's as cool as it's going to get. Yeah, it's yeah. dry and um, take on a couple of days to, to either go on a fishing trip or go to Kakadu and you'll, um, you'll have a blast for four days. Yeah, okay. Mm. Right. <laughs> I, um, I was a member of the Gladstone Turf Club for quite some time. That was good because you got access to the members' donger. Did you say Gladstone? So the yeah, members' Glad- donger. Yeah, the members' donger, which was air-conditioned, and you didn't have to wait quite so long at the bar, so that was quite good. Um, but uh, some horses ran a couple of times in the races at Gladstone, so that's always a good, that's always a good meet. So, uh, anyway. Yeah, so, um, so you've, got, you've got a firm, Tim, do you? What I love about your firm is it's called Confidential... Uh, it was a tax and business services, and it's got a sign that's about a metre high that says confidential tax and business services on the side of the road. So it's quite. So anyone who goes in, you've got everything going on in there, haven't you? Because you've got financial planning and all sorts of stuff. No, it's not on. so much. Um, I mean, we uh, the building we've had, for te- it was about 10 years ago, or coming up to 10 years ago, that um, we, we acquired the land where the, the building that you see now is on, and it's only just come eight years since we moved in, so gotcha. it was, the building was finished in 2011, and um, it's a two-storey with car parking building, uh, but yeah, prominent 
I guess, lettering of confidential tax and business services on on the Gympie Road side, uh, which is fairly visible. And we haven't sort of changed that. That's just the writing. It's just we haven't really because at that stage you, you could sort of you know if the logo changes and you don't necessarily have to keep changing that sort of you know I guess uh, sign on the building, so to speak. Um, we had, we had changed our logo, but I think about four years ago. Yeah, right. Um, sort of updated the logo a bit, so it's a, there's a there is that on the back, but yeah, uh, but yeah. As far as what we have there, it's, we we've got a whole floor which is pretty much a floor of accountants, um, financial planner. We don't actually uh, do that in house. We usually have a referral system. Um, one of the guys that used to, who's had been on the podcast, Brian Moss, uh, financial planner. Um, used to rent space from us. Um, still comes in and visits very very often. Sees our clients there. Uh, he's, he might come back to the building at some stage. Uh, depends on what happens down on the in the downstairs tenancies. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's certainly a good building, good car parking, and you know it's it's I like it's, the location is good because it's sort of on the main road and and you're eight k's from here. Um, and you can just go straight through the tunnel to the south side yeah, quite, yeah. quite easily. That's a pretty good sized firm you've got there, and you've been there for how long have you been at that shop? You've been there a while. Hey? So, as I said, we've been in there eight years. Yeah, but like you were there prior to that. Though, yeah, you? so I started in two thousand with confidential tax and yeah, business right. services. So, twenty years next year um, will wow. be pretty big. Coming up to twenty years, nineteen years has passed. So, with the one place and obviously ownership. You know, 2008, um, brought into the practice then. So, How many partners in your place now? Still three. Three yeah. of you. Yeah, so Nutter, Paul Nutter, um, John Gillies. I think you met both I of met, them. I've met uh, John, I think, yeah, yeah. You would have met Paul at some stage, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then we've got about 15 staff that are just in total that are there in the office. We're starting to, we're starting to look at offshoring options at the moment as well. So yeah, right, we have okay. been, the last 12 months we have been doing that. So You have or you've been? We have been, yeah. Okay, and experience so far? Yeah, and it's good experience so far. We wanted to just trial it with some administration, admin processes to begin yeah, yeah, yeah. with. So that where seems, have you gone to, Tim? Uh, so we, we use a company called um, the Outsourced Accountant. Yeah, yeah. Nick Sinclair. Tower. Yep. Okay, Nick Sinclair. Um, so we've been doing that for over a year. I think we were well, well established going into the start of the financial year last time, so that's when we... How many have you got? Overseas, we started off with two. I think yeah. there's maybe four now. Cool. Okay. It might be. I'm hoping to get up to six. Um, I think we need six in total at the moment, just to be able to support what's going on at the moment. And so. they've got full look through into your mile and all that kind of um, stuff. Or? Yeah, I mean, I haven't been over there to see what they what they can actually see. I've yeah. see them. I just see them on Skype occasionally, but I don't have a lot to do with them directly. Yeah. I, I I do have. Um, Email, I certainly certainly um, uh, email contact with them. So, but they they're not just people like anybody else, and they're just you know yeah. trying to buy a house in in their part of the world. Um, families, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's just the same sort of thing. The you know, the Philippines is the third biggest you know English speaking country in the world, um, behind the United States and the UK. I'm not sure if you knew that. I didn't know it was the third, but I knew that it was big. So we experiment with it. I think it's one of those things. Have you done any of that sort of outsourcing sort of stuff? Have you looked into that? Well, I lived in the Philippines for about a year, so, yeah, I have a really? fair idea. Um, Cebu is the uh, um, the second largest BPO 
area. You've got the sort of Manila, Manila area, and, and then down into to Cebu, which has its an international airport service. You can fly in from Hong Kong mm. or Singapore, amongst other places. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, there's um, um, it's everywhere, of course, and yeah. and, and the, they're a great service industry. You know, they're they're well suited for for that um, uh, line of work. Um, yeah, they're, they're eager to get on, um, and they they try their best, mm. and they're polite, and um, their English is excellent. Yeah, and definitely, and and. Yeah. They're good, smart people. I don't think you have to be huge. I mean, we, we, we made a mistake of just having one. I think you could have more than one person mm. in your team, and that was the advice that those guys had said. But have you looked at... Has, there's been a bit of offshoring and legal, but... Well, we have had, um, in, in the past... The administration processes in legal, is it, or...? Yeah, yeah, we, we had uh, a, a team previously, um, and we had four that, yeah. that were doing... We had somebody doing IT stuff, so yeah. they were just coming in remotely and doing all those little IT jobs that yeah. people don't seem to get round yeah, to doing. It's a part of websites and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, that. a little bit of that. And then it goes into the social media realm and yeah. you can get so people had, to update that sort of stuff. That's right. We had somebody doing um, IT. We had somebody that was just uh, doing doing some file administration work in terms of keeping things tidy. Um, I think we probably underutilised them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You've got to have pretty strong definition of what you want from them, mm. um, yeah. and you need to give clear direction as to what you want. Um, so you've got to think it through carefully. You can't just leave it on somebody's desk over there and hope that they will yeah, that deal with it. That's not yeah. their. That's not the way that they um, understand to do mm. things. Okay. Um, we'll, get, we'll probably get, take the conversation back to more it's more to do with um, what Insolve does a bit now uh, and obviously some of the topical I guess issues around um, how businesses sort of operate when they're sort of starting to struggle um, are you I guess from your experts and that you obviously the panels that you sort of deal with um, what's the what's the current feeling like at the moment with the way things are operating in Australia is it if we look at the last 10 years, is it fairly consistent in what we're seeing since the GFC with the amount of um, businesses that are going bad, or have you seen more of a patch where things are getting worse now or in the past? I'd really throw to you as well, Bruce, as we go. I mean, certainly the, the banks uh, and the Royal Commission has had an impact on how some businesses that are struggling have been treated now, individuals. Um, I've certainly seen... Um, Personal debts being sold by banks to third parties, uh, to third party providers, more than I've seen before. Um, the the profession kind of had a banks would appoint them often to, if there was a debt that had gone south. That that that's sort of and you 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 could comment more on this than I, Bruce, about um, not they had a bit of an in-house focus for a while where they would they try and manage those debts in-house. Yeah. Um, Things overall are, um, it's one of those, the economy's not great, but it's not bad. No. So it sort of means that there's not a there's not a spike of insolvency caused by really bad conditions or, it fell enough, really great conditions where people take risks that perhaps they shouldn't. So at the moment it's mm. kind of puttering along. Would that be yeah, what you kind exactly. of see? That's, what I'm, the, yeah. that's right. Insolvency usually sees spikes in activity when the economy's going 
gangbusters or whether mm. it's going down. Yeah. But the big themes of the last decade, Tim, that I've seen have been one. Uh, there's been a two-speed economy post GFC. You you have have, and and that's caused by a variety of, of things. But there's certainly been a two-speed economy. Some are going very well, and others are, are not. And there's not much in between. Um, it we spiked with insolvency numbers about five or six years ago. Yep. Post GFC, it took that long for all of that yep. to to work through the system, and now we've moved back down to normal levels the second thing that we've seen has been um, the amount of easy finance that's out there Um, when the appointments happen these days you'll find that not only is there a bank with an overdraft and some credit cards there'll be a fintech lender um, a a prosper or or a factoring company Mm. there'll probably be a third Funder there funding premiums for whether it's work cover or R and D or insurance um, that's there, um, and then people will have put their own money in as well. In as well, and they haven't, and and of course they haven't taken the advice early, and they're, they're unsecured for that. They didn't take it. They didn't regard themselves as a bank as they should have, and taken some advice and secured themselves, so they miss out. Um, so we're seeing that, and and as James said, we we seem to be spluttering along at the present waiting for something to happen um, but things like retail are, are clearly the internet has now um, made it very difficult yeah yeah there, there's structural change going on in retail you have to be very good at retail to succeed in in this uh, day and age there's only like a I think there's like to me I from my analysis probably 20 percent succeed in retail and that's I mean I think but there's always these things about like that, you know, X number of companies survive. I mean, I've, I've seen different views on on that. I think um, a good business with some fundamentals that gets good advice is, you know, is well capitalised should should be okay. If you've got a niche and you've got a you've got a particular reason to exist, um, still seeing people going into f- some very very f- flaky kind of franchises, and you wonder how some of those yeah. sorts of things. I think that the thing that kind of was the, and I think I think the regulator is is catching up a little bit. But and again, interesting to get your view from what you see in some of the professional bodies too, Bruce. The the, the whole regulate unregulated advisor space kind of grew up. So what happened was that the there was some changes in regulations for insolvency practitioners to be quite specific and quite clear about how they needed to be independent from the process. They need to be seen to be standing aside from the director and operating the interests of all stakeholders and obviously mm. some of that legislation however created a cottage industry of all these people who'd kind of help you out before you went to the formal process and it created a whole unregulated industry where and the, and the joke in the industry is that um, being, an, being a, a pre-insolvency practitioner one of my qualifications might be that I've been bankrupt myself. Then I go, well, that's yes. hardly a qualification, really, is it? So um, I know how I did it last time. So, so there's been a whole group yeah. of these kind of these unregulated advisors who who actually have the most extreme example is to kind of you could be in silver water one day and you could stick, you come out of jail the next, and you could put just put your shield up because. Um, 
Now that that's changing. That's extreme, but it is changing a little. But the reg- as you think of it, the regulator and the the, the professional mm. bodies are trying to stamp it out. But how do you stop that shadow world? That's that's well, what we've been trying to focus on. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, James. You, you wouldn't get an unqualified electrician to come in and wire up your house or your renovation. Yeah. And yet people are, are out there taking yeah. um, advice from people who've yeah. got no qualifications who are just promising a, um, a dream. But I guess there's always been snake oil sa- sales people around. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they, they filled a vacuum post-GFC and they're, they're still around. And... The regulator is slowly getting around to, to changing those things. We'll have director identification numbers, single-touch payroll. It's um, happening at the moment. It's yeah. happening at the moment. I think that's going to expand, isn't it? We're all going to have that. Yeah, so it's meant to be really for everybody, I guess, from the 1st of July 2019. Yeah. Um, but there will be... There's some carve-outs already for, um, you know, if you're, not, if you're only employing people that are related... You don't have to even really worry about it. Um, but once you start employing just one person that's unrelated to the business, then you have to have single-touch payroll ready to go sort of in the you know first quarter of 2019 financial year. Um, we're pretty, we still got probably a bit to do in our office. Um, as, we, as you know, it's, it's a deadline city uh, for mm. accounts at the moment. So we're, a lot of us are focusing on two deadlines, oh, a few different deadlines at the moment. We've got the 2018 returns, trying to make sure all that list gets done. Yeah. Okay. Still got um, client managers in the office, you know, working furiously trying to get all that sorted out. We've got a BAS deadline this month, for, obviously, in the next couple of weeks. For the March quarter, we've also got a deadline for FBT returns, not we do too, you know, too many of those. Um, we've got, um, there's obviously the STP coming in, single-touch payroll. Uh, we're trying to do tax planning as well with clients at the moment. So it's busy. May's always mad. I'll call mm. it Mad May. Yeah. Um, mm. I'm doing a podcast, but probably only the second one I've done this month because it's just been so busy. Yeah. And um, it's, yeah, it's, it, I remember even back in 2006, it was Mad May. So, Tim, I know I've got an email on my, uh, in my inbox about this, but is there a whole lot for people to do to convert to single touch payroll no it's pretty i mean the the biggest thing that you have to to sort of uh deal with uh as a small business and it's really affecting the small businesses more so than the medium the medium any anyone who's got 20 employees at the moment should be already compliant Mm. with single touch payroll even if they've got more than 10 they should really be compliant with single touch payroll right now you know um but the problem is you've got Older versions of MYOB is a classic example. Yeah. Version 19 is a classic example. Clients don't like to, like to leave that particular version. They think it's a great version of, of a software which is still desktop-based, which is not on the cloud. They love it. You know, They've always been accustomed to, to that version and it does everything for them and they've been able to do um, group certificates in previous years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to be told that they are going to have to pay 50 or $60 a month to be compliant with single-touch payroll, it sort of irks them. It really does. Um, so, yeah, they're bringing out cheap solutions like Zero and Myob have got the, the $10 a month solution, but you, only, you have to have less than four employees. Yeah, that's a bit harder. Um, yeah. So when you've got 10, it's all of a sudden the price is five, four or five times. Yeah. Uh, you should have a proper accounting system anyway, and you really should be on the cloud anyway. Indeed. I mean, And we're trying to tell our clients, you've got to be on the cloud. So you've got to be using Zero, or you've got to be using a Myob on the cloud. 
Um, that's what our preferred two uh, at the moment. It's a big jump, though, even for the even for running inside for the couple of entities that we've got upgrading to the, the wages version of the mile and the cloud. So that's a that's a bit of money you've got to find each month. That's just something yeah, and then my and then you've got the Mib essentials as well. So yeah, there's another yeah. d- different yeah. version of Mib again that uh, oh, that's we've, right, yeah. we've got um, <laughs> with that uh, clients are using to uh, a degree, not. Still, I think more probably using the the, the cloud desktop based one. Yeah, still, right. you know, just your mix of clients is a little bit more. You've got sort of a more sophisticated client base, haven't you? What's your uh, very? We've got the small business construction industry, a lot of yeah. plumbers, builders, and that sort of thing as yeah. well. We've got dentists, doctors, so we've got a lot of the medical profession. A couple of dentists, um, yeah, doctors, and, and so forth. Professional engineers that, that earn money, you know, consulting. Um, You've got we have got the retail, got the insurance brokers, um, financier. I mean, you know, we've got one of our biggest clients is a, is a financier, so oh, okay. and they've got you know twenty different entities or whatever. Yeah, because of, well, keep you <laughs> occupied. One of our kind of kind of close to our heart a bit is that uh, Bruce's that. Subbies and making sure that subbies get paid when um, yeah. some of the developers go over. So that's been so. so Bruce has done some made some contributions to the Insolv uh, thought leadership about where they should go when they've yeah. got. Um, and is there? Um, have you noticed much much in the last six months around that, or have you? Uh, well, I noticed with QBCC, this they are sort of we're getting um, clients are getting notifications in the last few months to say, look, by the December we need to have your financials, and it's. Back to being a standard thing. We don't care what's happened in previous years. This is where we are right now. Yeah. You've got to send us all your financials and your review, yeah. your client review, uh, sorry, your accountant review by whatever the date it is. It might be December, but you know it's got to be for the, up to the end of June. Data has got to be all sort of up to date. So, um, and you're talking about subcontractors before. The, one of the biggest issues with, with a lot of our clients is getting that um, subcontractor taxable payments. Um, Report into the to the ATO on time. They only get eight weeks after the end of the the, the yeah, year, yeah. Um, and we have at least a probably at least a. Even though you try to push clients, you try to get the information. At least a third are missing that deadline at the moment. Um, yeah, that's and that's a worry because if they start getting penal, yeah, the, penalties, mm, yeah. the commission has been um, reasonable so far. Really. Maybe, but I've seen penalties already on this. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, and the biggest thing that, that could uh, be a problem that I wrote an article about in the last week was that um, a new announcement from from the government or f- through the AT through the that system there is that if you're not actually paying and lodging your your um, basses on time, yeah, you're yeah. not going to get a tax deduction yeah, tax at all deduction. for wages. Mm. Yeah, that's big. That's huge. If yeah. you can't get a tax deduction for a five hundred thousand dollar wage bill per year. Where are you? Yeah, and that's ex- but that's for those kind of that's a monthly bass for five hundred thousand dollars, isn't it? Or is it? Would you be on a monthly bass for that? Oh, you'd be on a monthly mm. bass if you got a payroll of so five hundred thousand per year. So, yeah. one of your clients was consistently tardy, though you'd be. They'd be up. Sh- yeah, they could be. Yeah, but I mean, you're. I mean, you're. That's. I think it's. It's that changes though. some of that. I get it. Some of it's about trying to stop some of the phoenixing that's been going on with um, people using, you know, you know, companies relying on unpaid mm. uh, unpaid SG and unpaid PAYG um, uh, payments to sort of kind of operate themselves as working capital and then not pay. Then, oh, sorry, Mr. Mrs. Commissioner, I'm kind of, I've run out of money and my business has gone broken. Of course, who's the, who's the, 
who's yeah. the usual major creditor, it's, um, it's, it's the commissioner. So um, so I get it, but are you, do you think that the, the price is too high in terms of compliance? Or what's uh, red tape's massive in, in Australia. Uh, it, it doesn't get any easier for small businesses. So when they add a different layer, they add another layer, they keep adding stuff on. So being compliant with single-touch payroll is just another bit of red tape mm. on top of taxable payments for subcontractors, yeah. which pretty much everyone has to do now. I mean, they go into the IT industry. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Cleaning industry is hit for the first time as well. Um, so we've got all these different... So half of our client list are getting having to do this. Wow. You know, taxable payments. So that's an extra layer they ha- didn't have to do before. If their accounting software is good enough, they might be able to do a lot of that automatically, but it still requires review it still requires making sure that the numbers are right um, because it's easy if if you don't get your numbers right and one subcontractor disputes what you've reported to the ATO then which happens we've seen that happen a few times then you've got to go back and review all the payments and you've got to say well Mm. yeah so that it's so that's just a bit of red tape and then you got things like QBCC that's more red tape for the builders but they've got to be you know I can understand that one um so yeah, there's, there's certainly a lot in superannuation. That's that's red tape as well. Yeah. It's not an automatic process. You still got to review it. You still got to make sure you got all the details about the super funds. You still got to pay it on time. It's got to leave the bank account. All that sort of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in the middle of that, you got to go out and make some money. Well, that's right. If you're a business owner, so that you know, but your red tape time is still you know quite significant. Yeah, and I mean you, and for you running your own business as an accountant, mm. you have to somehow be strategic and add value as well as being a compliance kind. Well, you, I mean, I guess with this, what our practice is, special, our practice specialises in, in making sure that the clients are compliant in yeah, a way. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of accountants, that's probably the bread and butter service because that's what if they don't do that, they can't get a loan from the bank. Yeah. If they don't do yeah, that, yeah. they get a fine from the government. If they don't do that, they get it audited. And the list goes on and on. So they have to do it. It has to be, it has to be unfortunately, for a lot of businesses, and, and from an accounting function point of view, it's got to be the, the dominant thing. You want to grow. You want to be able to um, add other value areas. And there are obviously services that we do provide yeah. other than your compliance. I mean, we do estate planning quite well. We do, um, you know... A lot of other services that uh, tax planning, you know, we look at budgeting, all that sort of thing. So we do do that quite well, but you know, it's still compliance. It always comes back to, okay, is the lodgement list up to date? Yeah, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So then I think, um, so trusted advisor, but also sort of a go-to. I mean, I clearly you want your clients not to go to you when hey, I've broken it again, Tim. It's hey. Help me, help me survive the red tape and make me, yeah, make me a better company. I suppose. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, right. But we get a lot of. I mean, we get still get a lot of referrals from existing clients. Um, you know, every every week, there's obviously a new client trying to get in the door. Yeah. Right. So it's yeah, you you got to look at that and say, well, we must be doing something right if for our clients in in this compliance space. You know, making sure that they're not mm-hmm. paying too much tax or they're not, you know, making sure we look at everything and not. Not you know lose sight of what we're what we're responsible for. So in terms of Bruce, when you when how many people do you reckon who would not Tim's clients, but an accountant's clients, they'd stop listening to their account, or they 
how many businesses go south because they know that they've got to do what they're supposed to do, but they just kind of tune out or... Oh, it, it, it certainly um, is a feature by the time they, they yeah. collapse into insolvency. By that time, they're usually non-compliant in several areas. Yeah, right. Um, they've probably the got a dysfunctional relationship with their accountant, um, mm. quite possibly because they haven't been paying the accountant's fees mm. yeah. um, and haven't been taking yeah. the advice from the accountant earlier in time who said... You, I really think you should do X or Y. They don't do it, and then things go go south, and it's yep. uh, difficult to to remedy. So, um, anybody who's in an insolvent situation, communication um, early, it, it's difficult. Nobody likes to admit that they've got a financial problem. Yeah, that's um, part of it. But, for sure. But that communication is is critical. At um, the sooner you start talking getting some advice um, the, the better um, because there are people who will help I mean the ATO says talk to us and we, we might do something if, if, if we can mm. your bank will take a, a similar attitude mm. um, but you've got to start talking you've got to start talking early and candidly mm. holding back information is the, is the other problem that people have that they, they just fail to mention that other problem yeah. that they had, and and, yeah. and and so you structure all your advice around a certain set of and circumstances, then they, and then yeah. and then they go, yeah. oh, we forgot to tell you about this. We didn't yeah. think that was important. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's oh, like, yeah. oh, well, gee, yeah. that's difficult. Um, and and I mean, subcontractors, you know, you were, um, that they've always got the difficulty of pricing. You know, I mean, mm. they're at the, yeah. they've got those above them who are forcing prices so they're in a difficult situation but um, you do have to look candidly at your business and go can, is this sustainable I mean mm. you've got to go and do that tax budgeting um, get some advice because if it's not working decide that sooner rather than later mm. don't hold on hoping that you'll win lotto next week mm. no. um, we would have to sort of wrap up unfortunately it's, it's, it's already it's already um Half, and half past eight and got to get out of here unfortunately but it's been great to have both yourself uh, James and Bruce on the podcast today um, thanks for uh, filming this I think it look, hopefully looks good uh, we'll, we'll share it up on our socials um, and probably catch up with you again soon James in particular and uh, good, nice to meet you Bruce thanks, thanks so much. Great. see you yeah. later thanks that's been uh, episode 44 from the Valley Podcast